Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the biz bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. everyone, and welcome. This is the Biz Bruja, Vanessa Codornu. I'm so excited to have on this really talented, gifted, loving, like glowing human being, like esta Latina, this amazing, like just beautiful being that I saw online. I heard her podcast. Then I had the pleasure of also watching her with tapping and then we just connected. So welcome, Pam. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm yeah. honored. Yes. So excited. And, um, and you'll see as you hear our conversation how multi-level and just um, grounded and intuitive she really is. Before we go into that, though, I want to share her bio. Um, Pam, Pam Covarrubias. Pam is, a dynamically skilled, is dynamically skilled as an intuitive brand builder, a business guide, podcaster, speaker, certified crystal healer, EFT practitioner, certified life coach, and recovering procrastinator. She primarily spends her time elevating womanix and small businesses by helping them develop their brand in intuitive ways while also staying true to their unique story. Throughout her diverse career, Pam learned the importance of branding and positioning in an ever-changing market. She utilizes her natural skills as a highly intuitive and creative human and as a strategic marketer and coach to develop systems that help individuals accomplish their intentions. She brilliantly blends creativity and practicality to help her clients achieve success. Pam's mission is to spread ideas, move people. As a creator, speaker, coach, and visionary, she strives to bring products, support, insight, and accountability to those around her. Um, I love it so much. So when did you know you were an artist? Right before we came on here, I was looking at your beautiful artwork behind. I said, oh, those flowers. And we started talking about that. So I wanted to kind of start from there because um, I find that as we grow up, sometimes we lose touch or maybe we lose it when we're kids. So when did you know about your artistic? Um... I think I always did. I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood something I'm working on but I do remember my mom is very artistic my mom's side both actually so my, my dad is a musician my mom is a visual artist she doesn't do it but she she can and I remember her always talking about her dad how he could draw really well or what no it was an uncle so she she would always talk about her uncle I forget his name that didn't he was born without fingers I believe Wow. So he only had the little, like a little tiny muñon or sí. like a little tiny thing. And he would draw these beautiful portraits. And so she would draw, she's always been like in this creative visual space. And I always had, because of that, there were always tools at home, whether yeah. it was crayons or paint or music instruments or, you know. And so I don't think I knew, I just was. Yeah. I love that. And how has it developed? Because now we're talking about you. I mean, you're a healer, you're an intuitive um, branding expert. How did that translate from art into the graphic space that we were chatting about into kind of like evolve into the work that we're doing that you're doing now? It's, it's really funny because I wanted to be an architect. So my first path was to be an architect and I went to high school in Mexico City. So in Mexico, the way that high school works is you, you choose an area when you go into your last year of high school. 
and because I wanted to be an architect, I had to go to through um, area one, which is physics and mathematics. <laughs> Not at all creative. <laughs> and there I learned how to draft. We were drafting, we were doing plans, we were doing, because it was a path to go into architect school. And then for one reason or another, no me quedé, I didn't make it to the college that I wanted to go to, which is a public college. And I made, I did the test twice and I was like, okay, universe, this is a sign that I'm not supposed to go. I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm going to, that means I didn't know either. I didn't know anything, but I was like, what I know is I am a U.S. citizen so I can go to the U.S. and go to college there because I have that right, according to what I thought. Right. <laughs> And so I arrived to this little tiny town in Missouri that my uncle, one uncle, I had one uncle that lived there. I was going to go to LA, but my uncle was like, no, come here. It's better. I had no idea. So I get to this tiny college. I didn't know how the university system worked. I just got to that college and I was like, can I go to school here? They said, no, I mean, yes, but you would have to pay as out-of-state tuition. So in order to pay in-state tuition, you have to work for a year. So I did that. And then once I was in school, I talked to my counselor and I'm like, okay, so I want to do architecture. And he was like, about that. Have fun with that. So you have to transfer to another, a bigger university. And there's all, and I was like, what? Why didn't I? I mean, it was lack of research on my end. I didn't have anyone to ask. And that is what it is. So when I was there, I had to decide which may, what's my major going to be. And it was, I chose graphic design because it had to do with, with art, with creativity, with drawing, with all the art creative side of things. Wow. Wow. And I relate to that. Um, I came here as a little kid, but my parents didn't know about college or how to figure everything out. And I relate to like feeling like barreras, like those mm -hmm. obstacles that you're like, like I remember even going back after I had to leave school to finish. And when I was like excited, cause I'm about to graduate, the counselor's like, this is called you pay here. This is called you pay here. He said it, no shame in his game. Wow. I just, I held it together while I was there, but then I walked outside and cried like, oh my God, you know? And so you chose graphic. And so when you went into graphic design, um, how does that still play out? Like, in your world now, right? Because there's a lot of evolution. And I think what I love, what I love that you seem to be holding space for and from my conversation with you is for the ever-changing, the adaptability. Like we have this gift and this talent and it's gonna look like this in this part of the road, then it can look like that. How did, how did that live through you in terms of, so you wanted to be an architect. You, you grew up with surrounded by art, lucky girl, lucky woman, <laughs> and you became, graphic how did then you how did you realize like that you're here to support people and help people and guide people I don't know so I that's I mean I do know I just haven't explored that question so this is good thank you for making me think <laughs> well, you're like I'll tell you next week when I know because after I go back we, face it, we do things like a lot of us do what we do like I talk to intuitives every day we talked about it um like we're intuitive we just are, you're an art, you're artistic. You're like, I just, this is who I am. So it takes a minute to sometimes gauge that, right? Mm -hmm. oh, when did I? So, yeah. So let's follow you in the process live and in person, like live and in person. Yeah. So when I was a graphic designer, when I was in, in school, we would have these projects like create a restaurant. And what we had to do was the brand identity so the visual aspect of the restaurant i would create the business plan the marketing plan the operational structure and then i would get into the design and so my teachers would be like what are you like there's no need what are you doing you just have to come up with the visuals you know and so many times she was like you need to go to marketing because you're doing all the extra things and at the time i was dating a mark a marketing major and so it was a fun collaboration brain wise because I would talk about the things that visually and then he would bounce like this is what you can do and so my marketing brain was kind of on the whole time and so I realized early in my career that I wasn't really meant to be a graphic designer but a strategist however I 
I'm not a quitter. <laughs> and I had already, I, ya me había costado tanto trabajo. You know, it was, it had already been so hard for me to, to be there because I had to work for a year in order for me to go to that school. And so I was like, I'm going to finish. I'm just going to finish and then we'll see what happens. And so I went, I continued the path. I love being a graphic designer because I, I can do so many things because of it. And now with the branding that I do, it's, it's almost like, sometimes I feel like I take it for granted. Like, oh, you can't create a graphic? Like what? Or people ask me like, what, how do you create your graphics? And I'm like, what do you mean? Illustrator, you know? <laughs> and so I've learned that it's, it's truly a skill that absolutely served me. And And I guess I'm saying this because everything, I do believe that everything happens for, with purpose. And while at the time I was like, oh, I like, this is not the thing. It still helps me a lot now. And visually I have the, the design background. I have the, the foundation of design, et cetera, et cetera. And so from there, I, <laughs> I always, I worked full time my whole college career. So I never experienced the actual American college lifestyle of living on campus and joining a sorority because I had a full-time job. And in my full-time job, I was always talking to people. Whether it was on the phone, I was, I was a collector. So I was literally collecting payments. I was an interpreter for the school district. So I was interpreting meetings for non-English speaking parents, Spanish speakers, and that was so rewarding. I was a territory sales manager for a hydraulic and pneumatic recalling device company. Wow. <laughs> and so all of those, while I was in my design career, that was really pushing me to be creative and, and I had illustration and drawing classes and mixed media and photography. On the other side, I was talking to people. I was holding space for them in many ways. And so at the time, obviously I didn't realize, but after graduation, I moved to San Diego and I started working with this startup company and I took a lot of roles that had to do with holding space for people. And all of this is not consciously choosing it, right? right. It's, no. I'm falling into it. And when I left my corporate job, I was like, okay, so what skills do I have? That I don't have to go back to school for because I need to make money because I quit my job my corporate job I I, I was like I'm done and next morning I was done <laughs> so so I had to figure out in in a quick concise way effective how to make money and my first instinct was to look at the skills that I already had so that's when I started doing brand strategy again wow I love it you did and I love the journey that you took us on because you know, part of um, part of the reason I wanted to have you on here is because I like to give people the like behind the scenes, right? Because people are like, oh my God, and she's doing this and I could never be like that. And look at them and they're doing that. And it's like, it takes time. Like I, I was holding space for people in ways like I wouldn't tell them, oh, your angel standing behind you telling me this, right? We're talking about it the other day, right? And I'm in a corporate setting, corporate communication. <laughs> But I'd be like, have you thought about going back to nursing school? Oh my God, I wanted to go and I dropped out, you know? And then years later I see them, they're like, you know what? I went back, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm -hmm. but, and so, yeah, we're naturally gravitating. So if anyone's listening, I do want to encourage you to feel into like, you know, nothing is ever a waste of time. Agreed. Everything is always building these um, skills that we don't even know that we need or these gifts that we already have, they're inherent within us. And then we're just getting the opportunity to kind of like feel them out, figure them out. And so since you came on the scene and then created your own thing, what is some, was there a point when you realized like I made it, you know, we're always making it right. But was yeah. there a point where you're like, Oh, this, I'm finally my own business owner. Like I know that for me, it was like a big sale. Right. Cause I was always in service. I was always mm -hmm. in service. Like for me, it was like, or for some people it's like the website, the branding, they look at it the first time they speak publicly, that type of thing. Yes. So it was my first big sale and I have a, I don't know if it's a limited belief or it's a, maybe an, 
generational trauma with white men. I get very intimidated with them. And I have a good, good friend of mine. He's a mentor. I call him Uncle Mark. He, and he's a white, he's a, like the person that triggers me the most. He's a rich, older white man, but he, I love him. And so he's always been behind, like supporting me. He doesn't give me a lot of advice as far as like, this is what you should do. But he's always like, I believe in you. You got it. Which, and I think that's, that's also great mentorship because he wants me to make the mistakes. Yes. And so he connected me with this other guy and he was like, I think you can work with him. And I was like, oh, this is a white man. Oh my gosh. And so, <laughs> so I sent him a quote and I remember one of my teachers in school said once, like when we were graduating, she would, she would tell us, when do you quote a client? You need to feel that your stomach drops when you hit that, when you hit that sent button, otherwise you're not charging enough. And so I was like, okay, is my gut like dropping? Cause my quote is so high. And it was very dropping. It was the highest quote I had ever sent. Yes. Like almost, I almost didn't send it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to send it. I'm going to send it. And so I sent it. And this is funny because I had a therapy session with, with my spiritual teacher, one of my spiritual teachers. And I, we worked on a lot of limiting beliefs. And after that session, like I cried, I bawled, like it was intense. And then she was like, take more time. If you need to cry more, you know, take the time. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to cry more after this. So I grabbed my pillow. I was literally on a pillow sobbing. And for some reason I picked up my phone and it's a text from this guy. And he's like, let's do it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it happened. So I say that because I did a lot of work, like internal work yes, in order for it to happen. Because before that, I didn't, I believed in my business. I believed in what I did, but I didn't, you know, because I had sent quotes and they were not closing. And so it wasn't until I did the mental, the mindset work that it happened. I love that story and I'm so excited. I feel like I'm there with you and I've been there in my own way. And it did have to do with, that's why I said that moment because mm -hmm. we know we're in service. We've got the logo, we've got the thing, the website's up, but what is it? It's like, and it's the big risk. Like I was talking to a friend earlier today and I'm like, you know, fear is part of being human and being alive. For sure. It just lets us know that we're alive. And when people say I want to conquer, I'm like, ah, I'd rather dance with fear, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I know that for me, I usually set myself up to do things. So then I'm locked in. I don't know if you've ever done that where you're like, oh my God, I have to speak in front of this amount of people. Okay, <laughs> yes. here's the date. And then you're like, ah, but then you're like preparing, doing the work, you know, dealing with the limiting beliefs, grounding. And then you walk out there and it's like, I tie myself into physical things, like practical things that must be delivered totally. so that I can just face it because there's never going to be that perfect time. And I love that you shared transparently, like you were doing the work and that's part of the energy behind like the Biz Buhai's um, tapping into our magic, mm -hmm. doing the work so we can show up. Um, I talked to someone else today who's like, oh, I don't have enough training. I'm like, honey, nobody was born with a certificate up their booty. Right. You know, <laughs> or in their hand as they're coming out of their mommy. <laughs> Isn't that like, boop? I mean, you know, it's like in us, in our DNA, we've got ancestral wisdom. I was like, but then it takes time for us to adapt to this human present moment. Um, what is, so you got that client, what moved you to create the podcast? Did you create it at the same time as you created your business? Um, how did that come about? No, the podcast came way before. So before I get into that, I, something came up as you were talking about fear that one of my coaches, and I think I'm gonna mess it up, but it's along the lines of fear and joy come from the same place, mm -hmm. except that fear is without the breath. Mm -hmm. I know. So every time I, I feel breathe, as you see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's so yes. So every time I feel fear, I'm like, okay, it's just joy. That's not breathing. Let's, let's take a breath. We got this. So with the podcast, I was still in corporate and I was traveling a lot. I was doing corporate sales, still holding space for people, still talking to them. And as I was traveling, I was traveling three weeks out of the month. Wow. And I was listening, constantly listening to podcasts. And this is back in 2016. And 
I wondered, where are my people? Where are the people that look like me? Where are the people? Where are the immigrant stories? Where are the people that are bilingual? Where are the people that mess up their grammar because their brains think in two languages? Yeah. And those people were not being interviewed. And when the far few in between that were being interviewed, the questions weren't deep enough for me. I wanted to really ask the questions you're asking me. What What is it that drove you, you know? And also another thing I, I realized is that all these top podcasters were white men that were leading the shows. And I was like, where, where are the Latino shows? So I found at the time, there were like four Latino shows, Latinx shows, and none of them were doing interviews, like literally exploring people's stories. And I was like, I, I, I need to find the podcast that asks people, where did you, where do you come from? How did you get there? And I couldn't find it. And so that's why I was like, okay, then if, if you can't find the solution, make it. So that's where the idea of the podcast came up. And then all my limited beliefs were still like super strong. And I, one day, one weekend, I, it, I had this urge of redoing my, my vision board. And I found a microphone and I put it on my vision board. I didn't know why. I had this idea of the podcast, but it was like, one day this is like I'm not a podcaster at the time there weren't the courses anchor didn't exist like it was it was harder to, to start and so I, I cut out this microphone I put it in my vision board and my thought was this microphone is going to be there so I can share my sexual assault story because I when it happened the next the next day when that time when that situation happened not the next day after I healed, <laughs> that wasn't the next day. I, I, I got this, this message of like, you, you want to share this. And so the microphone I thought was for me to talk about it. And a week later, I'm talking to my friend, Henry, who's a music producer. He came to San Diego, we had dinner. And at the end, literally at the end, like we're saying goodbye. He walked me to my car, we're saying goodbye. And I'm like, you know, this podcast thing that I've been thinking about, the only, I'm just missing one thing. Like I worked on the mindset thing to, to believe that I can do this podcast. I'm just missing one thing. And he's like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know how to edit audio. <laughs> and he's like, Pam, do you, do you remember what I do? Do you, <laughs> he's a music, he's an audio engineer. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And he's like, and he told me I'm going to, to edit your show so you can start this thing that you keep talking about that you just don't do because of whatever excuse and he was my first editor <laughs> and that's when we came up with the name because i was like i want to talk about coffee and i'm like okay <laughs> so funny i love it and i feel like in that story too I want to just highlight like how important it is to speak up about the things that you want and even about your fears around it because you don't know who has a resource, right? Because we keep our dreams sometimes so deep within us. Mm -hmm. We don't know that our next door neighbor who actually is wondering about us and is super cool has a solution or a connection or the lawyer or the graphic designer or they are a graphic designer, whatever it may be. And so I'm so glad that you shared that with your friends. Ay, que lindo. Were you like so moved? <laughs> Were you like, ah. Were you just, no, I was very scared because <laughs> like, I was like, there's no excuse. That, no, no. Yeah. The challenge is gone and there's no other obstacle that I can come up with. Yes. Um, yeah. There is a lot of fear when our obstacles are removed. Um, and how brave of you, right? Because coming to this country, you were probably what, 16, 17, 18, 19, like around there? 18, 19. And you came with your family, but still. No, I came by myself. Right, but you went to live eventually with oh, the family. Sí, pero eso no duró. Yeah. Eso El no... muerto y la rima de los tres dios apestas. So that was a whole ordeal. I see. A whole mess there. Right, so you came by yourself, super brave, and then you wound up living by yourself and working for a year to be able to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I slept in my car a couple nights, maybe one. I don't remember. And then I went to 
to live with i had two roommates and both of them were men married men and so it was like people were saying stories about me and i'm like but and one thing that i've always had is and that i've always believed is unless you pay my bills you can talk whatever you want and yeah. nobody was paying my bills so right. i had to do what i had to do <laughs> i i say that too i'm like no me pagan el alquiler así que bye yep. <laughs> and then i made sure that you didn't pay my bills so i didn't have to hear you correct like, yes so powerful and so you had to deal with that backlash because of course nice latin girls or nice latinx girls or people do certain things like i left early too and my parents were super pissed at me and cut me off from my education then you know we forgave each other but i still had to go and fight and like pay for my own and move forward mm -hmm. um, how did that change as you stayed here and grew and and started cafe con pamela and we don't have to go into it too deeply did it affect your relationships with friends and family because sometimes mm -hmm. fear like i know that some people say to me i'm afraid to do my thing because i'm afraid like i'll be taken out or people will be upset with me and everybody has a different story to me i and i don't i don't know where this comes from but i haven't lived with my mom she I, how old was i so i was 15 years old the first time i left and i didn't live with my mom And so I've learned, I think back then is when I learned that I can do it by myself. And so cutting out a family and or friends, it's something that it's, it, it's not that it's not hard. It's probably, hard. but I think boundaries are very important. And so I've cut a lot of family. I mean, my tia, when in college, I literally said no mass because you can talk, can I curse? You can talk yeah. all the shit you want. Yeah. <laughs> like you can keep talking all the shit you want, but I'm going to keep doing me. I cannot let you, I cannot put the energy that you are, I cannot know. There's mm -mm, boundaries. And so, so as far as like fear and stuff, en realidad nunca... I don't think it's it's affected me in that way, but more you already, so. In, you already went through it, right? I think I think that's why. <laughs> that happened with me as well. Like that, I went away to college was a big deal. That I forced my way to go to like music in our high school and not go to the local and go to the Catholic school. That it happened. Yeah, it seem okay. Right. Yeah. That there are people now who are in their 30s, 40s, like oh my god, and I'm like because they've never had that, mm -hmm. um, which speaks to resilience, right? Once we've been through something, like I've lost stuff, like my partners and my this and my jobs like overnight where when COVID hit, I also lost like a lot of my coaching clients who lost their businesses or jobs. But then I turned around and like pivoted super overnight and it all happened. But it is of that building of the resilience. Callo. Right. El callo. I love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> the see. Oh girl, we got a lot of those. We got a lot of those. Oh yeah. So for you it's um I love that. And so you've got Cafe Gumpam, you've got your business. What is If you could say, what is at the heart of your calling at this time? Like, what is at the heart of it that you feel that you're holding space for, bringing into the world? I think right now what I've realized is to hold space for specifically women that want to find their voice. A lot of my clients that I work with, they, they're me before I came to this country, before... I believed I could go to college before I believed I could have a podcast before, you know? And so I'm like, you got it. Let's, let's work on that imposter that's in your head telling you that you cannot do it because believe me, I've heard it, I've heard all the things. And so I think right now my job is to help people, women, women of color, really own their voice también because that's something that I've had to learn and to learn because I mean I'm not English is not my first language and I've sat in meetings with really arrogant CEOs not that every CEO is arrogant but I, in the ones that I sat I have had to confront people when they make fun of my last name I've had to 
I remember one time this guy was like, hey, can you bring me coffee? And we were in a in a meeting this, when I was still in corporate because he thought it was, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he thought. And I'm like, no, why? Why should I bring you coffee? It, like what? Like I help me understand your request, you know? And, and so I think like that, owning that part of, of, of being a liberated woman <laughs> is, is important. Oh, you just gave me chills. And I thought about how lucky we are right now. Like I think about my mom came to this country when she was 24 as a journalist in, in another country, but her language was Spanish. And, you know, we didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have this. And there were like only two newspapers. Yeah. And there was a monopoly. It was a particular, it was run by a particular nationality. And, um, and I remember me being so upset because I just thought she was so brilliant and she had her four kids and she, and I wanted her to go, mommy, por favor. And she's like, you know, it's limited. She's like, they called me to go do something in California on TV, but we can't move. Like there were all these things that she had to like, and now here we are, like we're on YouTube, we're on, you know, Zoom, we're on, we're, we're having this conversation that will be shared. And what an incredible time to hold space for folks because I think that also includes ancestral healing. Mm -hmm. Ancestral healing, like my mom couldn't. Um, it's interesting, my mom wrote a couple of different books that she never published. And unconsciously I found that a lot of us sometimes hold back that if somebody in our family didn't get to do it, we're kind of waiting. And I didn't really fully know that. And I, now that she passed, um, I feel like free to write my book. Mm. Not like she ever held me back. And I've also been working a lot, let's be honest. but. It's just like now I feel like she's under my wings. Like, yeah, we're going to do it now, you know? Um, and so how important, your work is so important and so many yeah. women are holding back. You were saying something about, oh, I'm going to have the podcast to share my sexual, you know, attack or sexual harassment. Do you find that in your work, you've seen women coming from other countries uh, who speak Espanol primero or another language and then on top of that, there's sexual harassment or something else, like another, like we have a m multiple levels of, of, of releasing. Have you found some of your people have that? And is it? Well, I think, I think it's part of owning your voice because existing, I grew up in Mexico city. And so I, I mean, I love Mexico. Pero de la, de igual, México is a very patriarchal country. Yes. And y machisma, machismo, machista. Yeah. <laughs> Get your words right, I'm telling you. Bilingual brain. I hear it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sí. Es muy Entonces, I remember like taking the subway and y, y me agarraban, me tocaban and... and I remember one time I was in the subway with a friend and I've always, not always, I've worked on it a lot, but I, 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 no me dejo, you know? And so one time we were in, in the metro, in the subway, in La Ciudad de Mexico, in Mexico City, which is like, the subway in Mexico City is a replica of the subway in France. And so it was, it was, hora pico, it was, como se dice hora pico, it was, it was like the, craziest time of the day rush hour rush hour and and this guy was got really close to me and i saw him and i knew he was gonna do something and so i started feeling i i, I physically started feeling what he was doing to me and i was like mm -mm. no i'm not it's not it's not gonna happen and so the moment we got to the next station i i got refuerza i don't know from where i saw my friend that was with me and i'm like this dude and we pushed him out and he fell on his butt like outside of the subway <laughs> station and i was like stop touching me no, like name me acuerdo que le dije because i was so mad but then everyone was like whoa because nos enseñan que calladitas es más bonitas and blah, blah, blah. Mm -mm, no. And we're prettier when we're quiet. Yes. Sí, no. I prefer not to. ¿Por qué yeah. no? And so, so I forget the question. You're <laughs> saying about how part of, you know, owning our body, our sexuality, our protection is part of owning our voice. 
Yes. Absolutely. And that's why it's so complicated. It's not just about our voice of, oh, I have a dream and I have a business and this is what I'm going to do. It's also like our voice about what are our desires, our voice about this is my body. It's a voice about who do I want to be in the world? How am I defining myself? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I had so many meetings with my dad. So many uh, what? My showdowns, because you know, machismo, right? Yes. I remember being five or six and like getting really angry and putting my hands on my hips. And like, I was a skinny little kid and I was like, no, por qué no? And I was, and he's like, just remember who puts clothes on your back and food on your plate. And my mom said that I literally marched out of the room, took off all my clothes, folded it, came back, put it at his feet. I was, I was naked. She <laughs> said, and then you were like, I'm not having dinner tonight. And you ran out. You were like six. She goes, and you were furious crying. You were furious crying in your room naked, <laughs> you know? And I was just like, he said, no, I know. We were, they were like, we knew you were in trouble. Um, but it's interesting because I think of like that energy, right? If you pushing that out, I think of me and that little girl, but then I also see myself when I was older of getting abused by bosses. Mm-hmm. Males, right and i don't mean sexually but i mean like mistreated like oh no you can't leave you're supposed to work mm-hmm. or, and everybody else is leaving you know and so i i agree with you that even though like say i was an intuitive for a long time and doing my work for a long time there are levels that i was reclaiming that when i finally put my foot down with not getting abused because i'd be like well that's the only place i let myself be abused is at my job <laughs> Right. Right. Not in my life, not with my friends, but just that little, but that little place is a big place. Cause it's like, you spent like 40 plus hours at work mm-hmm. and that was life-changing, but horrifying and scary. Agreed. So, so it's multi, it's so multi-leveled. Yeah. Um, it's very intersectional. <laughs> yeah. But one thing that came to mind when you were talking about your mom, one of my favorite books is uh, the um, Women, women were drummers, and one of my clients just reminded me of that quote that talks about women being connected to their grandmothers because your eggs develop at four months in embryo. And so that means that when my grandmother was an embryo, I was already in there because her eggs were already developed. And so, I, you know, we are so intertwined and connected that now that your mom is longer in this plane she's still with you because you know and your grandmother and so that's what i remind women all the time is your the work that we're doing here right now it's not just for yourself but it's also for your grandmother and your great-grandmother because we have it's como como un hilo transparente you know that connect us and it's never ending and if you have a daughter you're gonna be connected to her daughter and her daughter and you know it's it's so awesome and so Owning your voice is not just for you, but for them, the people behind you, and the people in front of you. Amen to that. Ashena, ho, yes, yes. Que lindo. I love it. And it's so true. It's so true. I know that when I went back to theater, like recently, that I felt my grandmother with me because she left theater when she was 18 and she had an opportunity to go to a bigger stage. But, you know, what was it in the 1930s or 40s? Like women didn't do that. Es una mujer mala de la calle, you know, street lady. Um, it's so, it's powerful what you're saying. And thank you for that. During this great time of the pandemic, right? <laughs> um, this great pandemic, global pandemic, and then also one of the maybe most powerful civil rights movements that the earth has ever seen. What are some things that have come up for you or, um, personally, or even just in your, like the mess, a message that you've received for, for others, um, because everybody's going through it differently. Like we're going through pain, but you also were able to pivot. I was able to pivot. Some people weren't able to pivot because they were in their pain. Um, I think what I keep hearing is this is a call to go inward. And, and I think it's the time to stop comparing ourselves. Porque lo que hace el vecino is not what you do. And so it's it's a very individual time just as it is collective is also individual and I've seen so many beautiful transformations in many different ways with all of my clients because I remind them what's your journey in this pandemic what is the path that you are going to take and stop looking at your what used to be your competitor because people are changing 
constantly and just like one another thing that the pandemic reminds us is is that i mean things change in a day completely don't take things for granted porque mañana quien sabe We don't know what tomorrow brings. I love that so much. And I think that some of us, I mean, not people who are online for the most part, because we, you know, we live like everything shifts one season. It's like this, another season. Then we're like, I've been with people, my colleagues, my clients, myself, but we're focused on creating a program, but something else comes in and goes this one first. And now Just you got to change everything, you know, and you got to, but I would say it's also like a reminder that we're more adaptable than we remember. 100%. That, that we were like connected to our mother and our grandmother because of the eggs, et cetera. Well, we're so interconnected throughout our body, our DNA, and they had to go through a lot for us to be here. A lot, famine and moving and violence and who knows, we don't want to go into all that, you know, torture and et cetera, who knows what they had to go through and they're here and we're here. And so, yeah, I love that beautiful message. And how did you get into EFT? I was wondering, because I saw you um, doing that with We All Grow Latina and also, I think one night you were on, it was late. It was before Mother's Day. I saw you on Instagram and I was like, let me tap it out because I'm feeling it. You know, I'm like, I'm in pain right now. Yes. Yes. How did you come to that that work? YouTube. (laughs) So I was, I've been doing a lot of personal development work for a long time. And so one of my... One day I was watching a video and this woman was like, okay, I'm going to show you how to tap and this is going to help you release anxiety. And I was like, what? And this is like six years ago or something. And I did it and I was like, oh my, like, hmm, this is, it's really weird, but it helps. It works. I really like it. So then I really got into it, got into it. And like, it's, I'm a Scorpio it's like once I get into something it's very like passionate (laughs) so I went into this rabbit hole of exploring what it was about how did it come about I loved it and then it kind of faded out but I still every now and then I would come back and I would be like okay let me tap about it and tap and then one time I Again, todo pasa por algo. Todo, todo pasa por algo. Todo pasa por algo because um, I... um, There was a reason for everything, yes. Yes, because I... One day I I came... I literally... A lot of of things just happened. They just kind of like appear. I went to check something and then it was like EFT training in San Diego. And I was like, okay. But I didn't have the money at the time because it was an investment. And so I messaged the lady that my teacher is from us. She lives in Australia. And so she was coming from Australia to teach, to do this EFT practitioner training in San Diego. And I was like, Hey, so do you have a payment plan? And she was, and she responded and she was like, no, I don't because it's a lot of work. I just want to get the one payment. So, but I, what I can do is I can help. I can wait for you. I'll give you till the end of the month. And so I was like, okay, Si, si me toca, me toca. And so at the end of the month, I had the money and then I paid for it and I got trained to be an EFT practitioner and that changed my life even more because I really under, like I got trained to, I got kind of like the root. And during that training, we did a lot of transformation too. It's, it's kind of like also in my coaching trainer training, you get coached. <laughs> so yeah. with, with my EFT training, you, you get all kinds of EFT. And it was, it was one of those very transformative trainings. And, and I saw the possibilities that EFT can do. And so that's why I'm super passionate about it. Cause in my training and with clients now that I, that I do EFT with them, I've seen things and I'm like, this would have taken years if, with talk therapy, which I'm a huge proponent of talk therapy and tools like EFT, they're, they're add-ons that help. I agree with you. I agree with you. My therapist used that. Mm-hmm. I really, really loved it. And I'm so glad that you're using it with your coaching. Yes. So powerful. I love it. I love it. And we need to combine. I think that what's happening now with this great change and all these shifts that we're going through is that the awareness that we need both, like Western medicine has its issues, 
But like when I had fibroids, I needed the surgery. I did everything. Trust me. I was under, you know, under the la luna, praying to the ancestors, like, por favor. <laughs> I did acupuncture. I did it. But it was like, you need the lesson of laying on a surgical table, believe it or not, and surrendering and knowing that you're taken care of and you're going to be okay, which is what happened. Um, that we need the Western way and we need the alternative way. 100%. Because if we're trying to do some spiritual healing and you have a ruptured appendix, like, yes, you're going to get the spiritual healing, but then you're going to be in a spirit form if we don't get you to the doctor quick enough, right? Because of the toxicity of it, you become septic. And so there's such a, I think that we're coming into not an either or, like an and space, mm -hmm. right? depending on like what we need at the time. So before we go, I wanted to ask, and I didn't, you know, we didn't prepare this ahead of time, but if anybody was thinking of starting a podcast, because you're just so good at this, <sighs> uh, you're so great at it. Are there, is there anything that comes to mind? You know? Well, I and think- I know we can do a separate one on this, I can imagine, but. <laughs> yeah, we can do a whole podcast about how to start a podcast. So when people ask me, because people ask me this a lot, and I'm a brand strategist, so I, I want to preface it with that. I will always talk about creating the foundation of your show. And the foundation of your show is more than the visual. So a lot of times what people think that branding is, is your logo or your podcast artwork and your typography. And there's so much more than that. It's almost like an iceberg, right? Like the t tip of the iceberg is a logo. And then everything that's underneath is all the branding stuff. So what I would recommend is really, we're not going to get into all the details of what branding is, but really create the concept. What is it that you want to do? What's the goal? What do you want to transform, move, educate, entertain people with? Because now even more so with the pandemic, there's so many shows that came about and so many shows that are starting so many shows that have started and so i would say create the foundation so what what's the objective of your podcast what do you want people to end up with what's the tangible thing do you want them to be moved transformed entertained educated etc the next thing would say would be i had it ECMF went commitment so really be realistic on how much time can you invest in this because a podcast is no joke it's not we record it and we publish. I mean some people do but you have you want to edit a little bit you want to you have to upload it to your host you have to do so many things behind the scenes so really take an account of your time one I had the mic that's why I ordered like now recently a new one i had the mic plugged in and i it was just me talking for an hour about coming out being a bruja blah it wasn't connected uh -huh. so then i stopped took a breather came back there was something wrong with garage band then i came back look so now it's two hours right so i was like i'm pretty good with tech usually que pasa and it was like this commitment i'm like i'm not going to sleep <laughs> I've talked to you on the sixth house, by the way, you know, of habits and like my job. Mm. So I was like, nah, we're like doing it. And then it finally like, but it was like 3.30 in the morning by the time I put the little music in. Because two times I spoke for an hour, y borrado, then I had to take a minute to cry. And then I had to dry my nose, blow my nose, come back refreshed and saged and healed, right? From that. <laughs> Grounded. It's not going to be like that for everyone, but I'm just saying like, um... It, it it's a commitment 100 partner's like are you crazy you could have done it i'm like no it was that day you know it's just like yes so yes i get you the commitment to keep coming back to it even if we fall away mm -hmm. so so one i would say create the foundation create your objectives to commit and three believe in it because a lot of times and that happened to me and i'm speaking from my experience i had a podcast and i would be like oh i have a little podcast Oh yeah, I'm a podcaster. And so really believing in what your show is about and why having that, why having that understanding why you want to do what you do really can help you with the belief because otherwise it's like, I, I, I talk to people from time to time or I 
meet with my friend and we have casual conversations, that's awesome. If you just want to have a hobby, but if you really want to make your podcast something that you could potentially make money out of it, then really believe in it. Thank you. I love it Thank so you. much. Yes. Um, how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? How can they work with you? All the things. Thank you. I hang out a lot on Instagram. My podcast handle is at Cafe Compound Podcast. My personal is at Cobiux, C-O-B-I-U-X. My website is cafecompam.com, cafecompam.com, C-A-F-E-C-O-N-P-A-M.com. And my biggest platform that I love hanging out with in, on, I know, say, prepositions, I don't know, is Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's where I've seen you and that's where I love it too. Thank you, Pam. Um, bump, te quiero mucho, everyone. Gracias. Follow this beautiful, like just inspiring lady and share this conversation and share her beautiful podcast that is really just inspiring so many and bringing so many elements together. So thank you so much. Thank you.